This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Real EFL's League 2 Look Back. I am your host this week, Matt. I am joined by the ever-present Charlie and newbie for the week, Tom. Tom, how are you doing, Tom? I believe you're a Bradford City fan. Yes, that, that is true for my sins. Um, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Brilliant. Uh, Charlie, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really well, thank you. Glad to be back after a one-week hiatus. Yes, a week off after the FA Cup, which, uh, well, I know my team went through. I don't know about your your guy, yeah, your team. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, Matt. I don't want to talk about it. Come on. Uh, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's nice... It's nice to say that uh, there is some good news uh, from Gillingham's front, but we're going to move straight on uh, to the game of the day, which does involve, unfortunately, my team, Gillingham. It was Wrexham versus Gillingham. Uh, Final score was Wrexham to Gillingham. Neil, guys, did you watch the game? Yeah, really did. Lots of talking points in that game, wasn't there? Um, Yeah, there was. I mean, uh, Oli I was going to say, yeah, Ollie, Ollie Palmer scoring within, you know, what was it, 53 seconds or whatever it is, I, I think really set the tone for the game mm. and it kind of showed how dominant Wrexham can be. Yeah, very much so. I think the thing is with Wrexham, we know, especially if they can get themselves a goal early on, that they're going to be a side that are then tough to beat. And I think they showed it yesterday. Um, that first goal, you know... There was there was a lot of kind of worry from Wrexham fans at the fact that Paul Mulling was out suspended, but Ollie Palmer's no goes to slouch. Still more than happy to have him in and around the squad they are, and like you say, he proved his worth within fifty three seconds. And I've got to be honest, I thought the Gillingham defence looked a little bit disorganised. It was a bit of a scramble in the area. Um, I, you know, when you've got a striker like Ollie Palmer, you can't give him the opportunity to be able to tuck the ball into the back of the net like that. Definitely, I think. Yeah, I mean, no, I can. Only... Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I can honestly say, as, as a Jules fan, you know, 
you you want your players to be alert from that first whistle. And I think our guys were still on the team but uh, team coach uh, half asleep. To be fair. Yeah, I think it's very typical as well of a um, Phil Parkinson team. Obviously, he was at Valley Parade for a long time. As soon as they get in front, they're traditionally, you know, the, they don't often lose leads and only defensively strong. So, yeah, it was um, probably a routine win, actually, for Wrexham, and they're, they're looking much stronger than they did at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they were missing uh, Paul Mullen yesterday, and, um, you know, obviously, that, that could have sent a bit of fear into to Wrexham, you know, thinking, oh, you know, you're out without uh, one of your top strikers. But when you have players like Oli Palmer on the pitch, you, you can't, you know, you can't even, you know, in, in within the first minute, you can't uh, sort of fall asleep around him. You have to be alert around him because he's going to get chances like that and he's going to put them away. And then we've got to talk about the second goal as well because uh, Bento's has scored. Uh, it was a cross from Jacob Bendy uh, on, I believe it was uh, 70, what, uh, 73 minutes, was it? Sorry, uh, for 71 minutes, sorry. Um, but again, you know, you, you from a Gillingham point of view, you can't be letting the player win those first headers in, in that box. No, it's very disappointing from a Gillingham point of view, but I think let's you know let's not take away from the the power that Bentos managed to actually then get behind that ball, smashing it into the roof of the net. Um, yeah, look, Gillingham again, it was just sloppy at the back. It's something that we've said a little bit too often this season. You realistically, you make you're your own worst enemy sometimes, and you're giving teams like Wrexham opportunities. And when you're playing against teams that you know. Any team in this league can go ahead and score four or five goals against another. We've seen it already this season where the likes of Sutton, who were down there, were able to do it. So you can't be giving opportunities like that away. And then you have done. And of course, Wrexham are going to capitalise. Charlie, I'm going to just throw this question. Uh, sorry, Charlie, sorry, Tom, actually, I'm going to throw this question at you. Sorry. Um, so, look, I mean, look, Wrexham are currently on uh, an 11 game unbeaten run at the moment. Now, Look, what could be their downfall then this year? Because look, right now they look absolutely unstoppable. But what could stop them from dominating this league this year? Yeah, I mean they've as the season's gone on, they've definitely got got stronger, um, a lot more defensively solid. I think they shipped a lot of goals earlier on in the season. Um, you know, they got Ben Foster at the start of the season. He then left and been replaced by Congo. He's not necessarily being tested at this level, but to be honest, I, th- I think they're looking strong. I'm not really sure they've got, you know, as you say, Mullin was out yesterday. They've definitely got strength and depth. I'm not sure if there is anything that can, you know, we really highlight as a weakness. No, they they, they do look really strong. And you know, even from a Gillingham point of view yesterday, I, you know, I, we, we looked great in the in, in the first two thirds of the pitch we looked really poor in the final third they actually looked really strong they kept their shape really well um for me i th- that was literally going to be my thinking for for Wrexham the the conceding of the goals um with Ben Foster they were conceding quite a lot this is this young Arsenal loney he looks you know pretty good i believe um there's talk about Wrexham as well wanting to sign him on a permanent um, Charlie, look, I'm going to just throw this then question uh, over to you, and I'm hoping uh, Stephen Clements will listen because uh, what does he need to make the Gillingham team promotion contenders? Uh, um, results? No, <laughs> look, what you need, what you need is goals. It's something that you're quite clearly struggling with at the minute. Um, you know, we've got—I've already said—we've got teams in this league that are able to to, to ship four or five goals 
in a game, yes. But I also don't really see Gillingham at the minute being able to destroy a team like that in, in that kind of fashion. They're the lowest scorers in the league. You know, two, two less than Harrogate, four less than Forest Green, you know, nine less than bottom place Sutton. You just need, you've already mentioned it there, you need to be better in the final third. It's something you're quite clearly struggling with. And then when you're leaking goals from the back as well, it's a recipe for disaster. You're never going to be able to get to the playoffs if you can't do either. And at the minute, you really need to be working on that. I just want to throw out this um, stat just because you you were talking about that there, uh, Charlie. Worst mm. conversion rates of shots in League Two. So the worst conversion mm. rates. Um, bottom four, we've got Accrington Stanley at 13.37%. Bradford City at 12.77%. Uh, Forest Green in 23rd at 11.92%. And dead last is Gillingham with 9.66%. So over sort of, you know, two and a half percent more uh, than, than Forest Green in 23rd. We're, we're just not getting them away. And look, obviously after that final uh, result of Wrexham 2, Gillingham nil, that does leave Wrexham in second and Gillingham are currently in 10th. So moving swiftly on to our next game, this was... Crew Alexander versus Noss County. Charlie, I believe you had a watch of this one for us. I did. Now, I'm not going to start with the obvious because, yes, okay, there, there is one major storyline coming out of this, but we'll get onto that in a little bit. Seeing as we are a footballing podcast, let's just start with the football for a little bit. So, early on, there were some really good chances. Shiloh Tracy broke clear, um, but such an impressive tackle by uh, Baldwin to stop him from getting the goal. Both sides had chances in both the first and the second halves, to be fair, but defences in out of possession were on top. However, defences in possession were not on top at all. Now, as, as, as you guys will probably remember from listening to sort of past shows on listening, if you've never listened before, I am a Lincoln City fan. Now, on Tuesday night, uh, Lincoln played Notts County in the uh, BSM Trophy, as it is called now. And one of the key sort of issues for Notts County was something that we also saw when we played them in the League Cup and something I've noted on this podcast quite a few times before. They're okay defensively until they're having to play out from the back. And they're being made to play out from the back, which is fair enough. It's Luke Williams' system. They, they want to try and work towards this kind of possession-based moving the ball through the thirds, and that's all right. But their defenders quite often just look scared when they're having to do it. And quite a few uh, times yesterday, they were just giving the ball away trying to play out from the back. Now, it's all well and good playing that style and system but the but the players have to sort of lean into it and go with it and actually be capable of doing it and I just feel like there's a couple of issues at times where the players just aren't quite able to do it against better opposition in League Two and I think yesterday was something that we saw from that although a draw could have probably been kind of fair in terms of a nil-nil however it all turned to utter poop in the 90. So, well, after the 90th minute. So, first of all, stoppage time. And Simon Mather, who was the referee in the man in the middle yesterday, pulled up with a hamstring and a hat to go off. Then, Jody Jones was a judge to have handled the ball in the box in the 98th. Now, look, the, the penalty. There was also a penalty shout, very similar in the Wrexham-Gillingham game. But this penalty, for me, I, I understand it was close to him and all of this but his arms are up and it stopped the ball from going to, to, to the man. So I, I just agree that it probably was a penalty. Um, although 
Probably shouldn't say that because not Scouty fans weren't very pleased. Uh, there was obviously quite a lot of reviews being um, sort of passed towards the officiating team. And then at one point, there was something thrown from the Notts County fans at one of the linesmen on the near side. There was then a lengthy delay in the game. Police um, were involved before the game got going again, even though it was only for 30 seconds. Now, look, we've we've had this conversation, <laughs> we've had this conversation actually about Gillingham quite a lot recently. Um, and it's a conversation that unfortunately we're having to have again about Notts County. Well, well, again, about the team in Italy, this time it being Notts County. Very, very disappointing to hear of sort of actions like this. Nobody should be throwing anything at linesmen. I, I understand anger. I've shouted things at a linesman before, you know, but never actually. It, it, you're shouting it to the character that you're creating in your head, never actually to the person. And I think this is sometimes where the line is then crossed and it's obviously happened yesterday. And it, and it ruined what could have been a decent game of football. But I understand there were a lot of issues uh, with the officiating in general, but that also doesn't warrant the response that it got. But yeah, a bit of a lively end to the game. Yeah, do you know what? I uh, I watched the game because um, uh, obviously, you know, as all football fans do, come sort of five o'clock, you start checking your scores for the final results to come through and... Uh, I kept seeing, you know, it was like sort of 11 minutes added on and 12 minutes added on and then 13 and 18. I was thinking, oh, God, what, what's going on here? And then obviously knowing what's happened uh, previously at Gillingham, obviously as a Jills fan, I do sit in the rain amend and a lot of the incidents that have happened have happened in the rain amend. So, you know, I was thinking, oh, God, what, what's going on here? And for, for the linesman to actually say, you know, he's not happy to continue Mm-hmm. you know officiating the game from that side um you know because of obviously the abuse and obviously everything that's happened for me it does mean that i think that does find knots potentially in some hot water but I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute um tom look we've got to get back to the game itself because even though uh there was a you know a lot of talking about from the officiating i've got to say i thought crew were 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 fantastic, were fantastic yesterday, actually. I thought they played really well. Tom, I'm going to throw this question at you because crew are flying high at the moment. But is Lee Bell the man gonna is he gonna be the man to be able to get crew out of this division? I mean, I think so. I think with crew, um, they're either really hot or, or really cold. They seem to have a really fantastic season one season and the next season. They don't, but they um, they often give give you youth a chance. They like to play football the right way, and you know they kept going yesterday, um, which was brilliant. And they did get the late goal, but yeah, I I think so. They they have started really well. Um, they're scoring a lot of goals. Um, they could probably do with tightening up the defense, albeit they got a clean sheet yesterday. But yeah, I I don't I don't see why not. I think. You know, um, there's been suspicions that it's going to be a, a two a two horse race this season in League Two. But judging by you know the results so far, it does seem that it's quite open and anybody can can beat anyone. So that they're definitely in with a shout. Brilliant, yeah. Well, I mean, I I've got to say I, I've seen Crew play a few times this year, and I, I do think there there's something about them this year that I do believe they could be potentially uh, playoff outsiders there. Um, so look, Charlie, uh, going on to obviously what happened at the end of the game, how much mm-hmm. trouble do you think Knots are going to find themselves in? Then uh, do, do you think it it could be you know is it just be a simple you know slap on the wrist, or do you think there could be fines and potentially something even more? 
uh, fines almost definitely. Um, you know, the, the EFL wants to be trying to cut down on crowd trouble and there's often actually fines that aren't even really publicised that much. I, you know, so I wouldn't at all be surprised to see uh, a fine being handed out. Uh, anything like a points deduction? No, uh, it's not something we've really seen recently uh, in terms of, you know, the, the league wanted to kind of damage sporting integrity by by punishing fans. And I definitely don't think there'll be anything about sort of uh, moving games behind closed doors in the, in the near future or anything like that. Look, these incidents are unfortunately becoming um, a little bit too commonplace. Uh, and that, to be fair, isn't at all just Notts County. It's not even it's not even League Two. Um, you know, there are there's, there seems to be so much more emotion that's turning in that's kind of manifesting itself into action at football games at the minute. And it's something that kind of really needs to be really needs to be stopped. Um, you know, we we know, for example, with the rise of social media, things get passed around so easily and also it's so much easier for somebody to to give abuse to somebody else um online now and i feel like this has given people like some some kind of level of false confidence to then maybe do that in in person um and they just believe that they can say whatever they want that isn't the case they can't say they can't do whatever they want there is still a level of respect especially when it's a team you support not that you should ever be doing it to the opposition either or anything like that um so i think it's just kind of about making sure that the, the majority of Notts County fans who were obviously on their best behaviour yesterday, um, but it's about trying to just weed out the few idiots in football who aren't really proper fans. Well, it's all about the uh, consequences of your actions. Ultimately, you've got to you've got to take a take a uh, um, stand up and, and and be a man if if you're going to come out and say stuff like that. And uh, you know. Uh, that the guy last week at Gillingham, uh, was it last week? The other week at Gillingham uh, with uh, Omar Bogle, you know, he's been banned. He, you know, he deserved that. And I think again, if if you've been caught saying stuff like that, yeah, ultimately you, you don't deserve to be a football fan. You shouldn't be coming to watch games. But uh, after that, obviously, Crew are in fourth place. Knots are in fifth. So, moving on to our next game, this was Bradford City versus Barrow. And Tom, away you go. Yes, yeah, so um, as ever, being a Bradford City fan, the stage was set um, spectacularly for us to to fail, really to fall to fall flat. It was um, it was Graham Alexander's first game after quite a lengthy search for a new manager. A tough game as well. Barrow re- really tough side. Pete Wilde had some set up very very well drilled. Um, they actually beat us twice last season as well. Um, but yeah, so they they were eight for the, at the start of the day and. You know, the atmosphere was fantastic. The new manager got an amazing welcome, as usual, um, from our supporters. We've become quite accustomed to new managers now. Um, and the, the stage is set. And then 26 seconds in, Dom Telford pokes home and we're, we're 1-0 down. And you just think, how has this happened? Um, but yeah, as you say, it was a very, very tough start for Graham Alexander. So yeah, 1-0 down after 26 seconds. And then... Our left back goes off injured and then replaced. And then the second choice left back also goes off injured. So he's had to make two very quick substitutes in the first half, um, which is, you know, absolutely not an ideal start. But, you know, I think Barrow deserve a lot of credit yesterday, as a lot of other teams have done at Valley Parades and against Bradford City before. If you just stay solid, the chances are that you will hit us on the counter-attack and and score so we're just very easy to play against but barrow barrow deserved winners yesterday 
Yeah, I mean, I was watching that um, that first goal, and obviously, as you said, it was like what was it, twenty six seconds or, or yeah. whatever it was, and um, you know, there's about four or five players in the in Bradford players in the box there, and yet still somehow Dom Telford manages to get in front of them and poke the ball home. And you again, a bit like Gillingham, you'd expect, you know, that early in the game, come on, guys, be be alert. You know, Dom Telford is a, a player that you know if he gets the ball in that six yard box, he's going to get an opportunity, he's going to score. I think yeah, he even I mean, did it. As I say, I think he even did it at the start of the second half as well, didn't he? I think, or was, was it him, or was it uh, that they literally had another chance right at the start of the second half? Where yeah, they scored. I, yeah, I, I think that was Gotts. Um, he, but again, it's it's the same the same situation for Bradford City. It's we can never just clear our line because of the different managers we've had and what philosophies implemented on the squad. We've stuck between kind of play out from the back to you know putting it long squads and the clubs to hold up. So um yeah, Bradford City again very easy to play game. Um not particularly dangerous. Obviously you can play in versus wings yesterday and pull back to the forward to support them and yeah, just far, far too easy. And teams get a lot of chances against us. I mean if you shut and be cut down the chances are that you shut the city down. Yeah, it was a tough start, but you know Pete Wilde does a fantastic job of Barry Wright. I think he goes under the radar a lot of the time. He would have been one of my first choice for for the new manager's role at Bradford City. And yeah, I think Barrow is very solid side. Um, obviously, John Telford, as you say, his record speaks for itself. And there's only a chance that that's outside um, yesterday. Yeah, obviously there was no sort of new manager bounce there for for Bradford City. Um, Charlie, look, I'm going to throw this question over to you because uh, obviously I'm looking at the Brad, uh, sorry, the Barrow squad. Um, it's flying high at the moment. Uh, was it? I think sixth currently at the moment. But their first, their the first eleven, really, really, really strong. But they don't really seem to have much depth in that team. So I mean, could that fall to them a chance to potentially make the playoffs? Well, let's bear in mind, I, I think if anybody was asked at the start of the season, who do you expect to be in the playoffs in League Two? How many people would have actually put Barrow in there? But what they so what they're doing at the minute is probably classed as overachieving. Let's you know, let's bear that in mind. So if anything were to happen in you know the fact that they start to falter in terms of uh, squad depth and they start maybe losing a couple of players to injuries or anything like that, and they start slipping down the table, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Now, what Barrow do really well is obviously they play some really good defensive football, specifically in the fact that they're really hard to score against. You know, they're they're the second lowest, they've got the second lowest goals conceded in the league. Uh, behind Mansfield. We talk consistently about how Mansfield are, are the strongest defensive side in the league and how they're able to to constantly win games by by not losing games. But they've obviously still got quality in, in the attack. Now, Barrow are very, very similar in the fact that they're able to, to not lose games. You know, they're, they're eight games in the league unbeaten at the minute. And, you know, that's a really, really impressive stat that has to be you know, very much commended probably to Pete Wilde, as, as Tom was saying. He he is a manager with a lot of hype around him at the minute and, and quite high in stock. And it will be a shame if Barrow, unfortunately, do end up sort of dropping out of the playoffs and, and this kind of high that they're on does end. 
Um, but at the same time, I don't think it'll be massively out of the realms of possibility, as you've said. Uh, and I also don't think it'll be a massive travesty for Barrow or the Barrow fans, considering nobody really would have had them in their playoff predictions at the start of the season. No, as you know, I'm a sort of a big fan of, of Pete Wilder. I think mm. I, he's done an excellent job up there at Barrow. And I, I, honestly, um, I, I'm, I hope they ride this wave that they're currently on, and I hope it doesn't you know fall to any time soon. I am just worried that if they do get a couple of injuries to a couple of key players, do they have that squad depth? Uh, Tom, I'm going to throw this then question just quickly over to you. So. I need you to put your manager's hat on right now. So imagine you're Graham Alexander. How does he get the best out of this Bradford team? I mean, I think the first thing we need to do is to build their confidence. Um, um, Valley Parade can sometimes be a hostile place, not just for away teams to play, but home but home teams as well. Um, we need to build the confidence of the players and also get back to basics. Andy Cook is a fantastic striker when he's fit and firing and he's just not done that this season enough. He's struggling a lot with with injuries, but I think get back to basics. I would like to see some more expansion with the wingers. Um, we're quite stocked in that department. We've got some young young loanies. We've got Afoka and Ray and Tullock as well. I'd like to see them come into it more, but Alexander has got a big, a big job on his hands. Um, I was a little bit worried before his appointment that we were sort of sleepwalking towards the basement of the division. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's just about steadying the ship, trying to implement a, a style of play. And I've basically, as a supporter, wrote this season off um, for Alexander to then build his platform that we need to go again next season. And I know it's it's only November. Stockport were not doing fantastically well this time last year and managed to put a run together, but I just don't don't see it. Um, for us, so if I was Alexander, just back to basics and try build a platform for for next season. Well, obviously, after that two-one loss, uh, that does leave Bradford currently in eighteenth, and Barrow are flying high in sixth place. On to the next game. So this was Southwood City versus Mansfield. Now, this was a game for me to have a watch of, and it did finish Southwood City one, Mansfield two, at uh, Mansfield Town. Two, uh, with all three goals coming in the first half. Now, Mansfield, uh, who are still currently unbeaten, I think the only other team uh, team in the football entire football league uh, not to have lost in the football league this year is Portsmouth, I believe. But, but Nigel Clough is doing absolutely wonderful, uh, wonders up there at Salford City. Uh, Jordan uh, Bowie scored in the 19th minute. Uh, he advanced forward and finished emphatically uh, beyond the helpless Salford City goalkeeper. Uh, and then uh, the league's top goal scorer and last year's, I don't know, last year's, last month's player of the season, Matt Smith, uh, equalised to take it to one all. And then uh, uh, Mansfield uh, scored again then in the 37th minute, Kilo Dunn uh, popping up to score. And then it, and I tell you what, this was a really, really fun game. Uh, guys, I don't know if you watched it at all, uh, but... You know, Salford did not let off the gas in that second half. They really went for it. Uh, 18 shots in total uh, for Salford. Uh, really tried to put Mansfield under the t uh, under the gun, but Mansfield just stayed strong to be able to keep that uh, that record that they've got and move themselves high up the table. So, guys, have you watched? Have you seen the goals? What did you think? Yeah, I think uh, Salford definitely, like you say, considering they're on the losing side, they probably deserve a lot of credit. Um, and it was somewhat similar to the way they were playing in the first half against Wrexham, 
And obviously, unfortunately, they lost that game 3-2 uh, probably almost about a month ago now <laughs> uh, with the sort of FA Cup break in there as well. Um, and yeah, they really did have a barrage of chances. But Mansfield, with I've already mentioned it already on this podcast, let alone the, time, the amount of times I've mentioned it over the past few weeks, Mansfield are a really, really strong side defensively. They've got a plus 16 goal difference and so much of that is down to their, the, the few goals that they're able to concede in games. Obviously, they'll probably just be disappointed that they've even conceded one in this game. But that's back-to-back 2-1 victories for them in the league now. It's the fact that they're able to show that even when they do concede, they are still able to score more than their opposition. They're able to stay resolute in defence when when necessary as well. So, I think Mansfield are definitely a side that we're expecting to be up there towards the end of the season. And Salford, as much as they can take pride from this pride in sort of certain areas of this defeat, I don't think they can be kind of too... There's not many things that you can kind of read into it and expect them then to be able to take this forward. I think Salford are a side that are going to need some big changes soon to be able to push themselves further up. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously the, the game itself, Salford say will work, you know, in that second half, really going for it. Was it Christy Pym, I believe, is the Mansfield goalkeeper? He, I thought he was absolutely outstanding yesterday. Pulled off some amazing saves. Uh, Tom, look, I'm going to throw this question over to you. Uh, and this is about Matt Smith, actually. So do you, do you believe, I mean, do you think he could be tempted away from Salford in the in January window if Salford haven't improved their league position? Uh, obviously, they're currently 15th in the league and... You know, but he is the, the league's top goal scorer. And, you know, if one of the big boys was to come a call in or a league above, do you think he could be tempted with a move away? Yeah, he's had a great start to the season. Um, his contract's up at the end of this season. So I think if an offer comes in for him, um, he could be tempted and also Salford could be tempted from a business sense. But as you say, it really does depend where Salford are in the league. If they're looking, you know, it's looking up rather than down, I think they should definitely keep him and he would probably stay for the promotion push. But, yeah, it's, it really does depend. Um, I w- wouldn't rule it out. Brilliant. Well, Charlie, I'm going to throw this in one over to you. Um, so, uh, Mansfield, next up against Newport County. I want you to imagine you're Graham Coulahan. How do you beat Mansfield? Uh, oh, as Newport, you just leave. Now, that's, that's probably a little bit harsh. Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, if if we're talking about how to beat Mansfield, that we already know their quality. I mean, set pieces are a, are a big thing. You know, they've they've got Aidan Flint who he can create something out of nothing. He can suddenly create a, a pretty ball, poor ball in and somehow turn it into either a goal or a scramble in the area. Then it's just about a Mansfield player poking the ball in. So what you need to do is you need to make sure you, you're, you are defensively solid. And then you've got to be clinical at the other end of the pitch. It's something that teams against Mansfield haven't necessarily been able to show as much this season. Even when they've had the chances, I think, you know, you've already mentioned Christy Pym, brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. So what you've got to just be able to do is, yes, I can create those chances. We know that you're not going to get too many of them because you are playing against Mansfield, but it's then just about putting them away. And being clinical is the only real way that I can see being able to beat Mansfield at this rate. At this rate. Well, after that uh, brilliant uh, win by Mansfield yesterday, that does leave them in third. Southwood are currently in 15th. Moving on to our next game. This was Walsall versus Harrogate. Charlie, I believe you watched this game for us. 
I certainly did watch this game. So, Warsaw probably had the better chances in the whole game. You know, I think especially in the first half, Isaac Hutchinson, oh, look, we talk about him all the time. What a player he is. And he was once again showing his class, creating chances. I mean, one in particular, um, it was for Liam Gordon, which was cleared off the line by Matty Fold. Um, I mean, Sam Fullerin also had an early chance as well, but a smart save by Owen Evans ensured that it did not result in a goal. Walsall then started the second half just as strong, with both Knowles and Hutchinson hitting the post within minutes of each other, which was a rather kind of funny turn of events. But unfortunately, their lack of clinicality was punished in the 84th minute, where substitute Thompson was found far managed to find himself in far too much space and time and drilled home the winner. Really impressive from Harrogate to be able to uh, obviously hold on, ensure that they didn't concede and then carry on going and manage to snatch a sort of late winner there with only five minutes left of the uh, sort of normal time to go. But Walsall are going to be really, really disappointed with themselves. Now, it's kind of a conversation we've had about Walsall quite a lot recently. They are unbelievably inconsistent. Now they're able to they're able to show their quality. We know that. You know, the, the beat Gillingham 4-1, I think in the very first time we, we did this podcast, Matt, if I remember correctly. Uh, you know, that they've been able to have like a, a three-all draw away from home at Newport. They've beaten Bradford 3-1 this season. But then they've also lost against Thornhill to Sutton. They've obviously lost to Mansfield uh, a couple of weeks ago, which isn't exactly anything to be too ashamed of. But then losing to Harrogate as well. They've lost to Swindon, AFC Wimbledon, obviously Wrexham, Morecambe. Too many games for Walsall. They're simply inconsistent and they're not showing their quality enough. And I think yesterday was another proof of that. They've clearly got really strong players that can that are clearly capable on the ball, uh, especially against other teams in this league. But it's about the final touch, that final pass, that final shot that they're just struggling to get off week in, week out at the moment. So, look, Charlie, I've got to throw this one at you then. Uh, This is, for me, the biggest question that you're ever going to get on this podcast. How badly are Walsall missing Freddie Draper? Oh, God. Well, I I mean, (laughs) when you don't have Messi in the team... How are you expected to perform at the same level? No, no. Um, all joking aside, Freddie Draper is was for them not just a goal scorer, but also a creator. Some of his little flick-ons I spoke about a few weeks back were, were absolutely sublime and obviously really good as a Lincoln fan to be watching. But he's also able to sort the ball in the back of the net with his head on the ground, left foot, right foot. He was able to score so many different goals that was fantastic. I mean, the three-old draw, I remember us talking about the fact he effectively scored a perfect hat-trick. There was a, there was a header in there. There was a, a through-on, sort of when he was through one-on-one with the goalkeeper and managed to took it away. And then there was a scramble in the box that he managed to took away. It's those, it's that kind of clinical finishing that unfortunately Warsaw seem to sometimes be missing and have definitely been missing a little bit recently in some of their games. So it's definitely something that they need to find within the players that they've got available to them or they need to make sure that Freddie Draper is back available soon. Yeah, he is a he's a class class player, and I must say, Lincoln are, are, are going to be uh, sort of probably calling out back for him. Hopefully, in uh, in January, which then might make League Two a little bit easier for us other fans. <laughs> um, 
Tom, look, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Uh, and this is a player that I've been keeping an eye out for the last few weeks because I just think he's been absolutely phenomenal. But uh, Kane Ramsey uh, for Harrogate, do, do, do you think there's a possibility he could end up potentially going on January? Or do, do you think they'll be able to keep hold of him until at least the end of the season? I think there's definitely a possibility there. Um, he's obviously, he fits the profile of the modern fullback. Um, he's, he actually took a chance and Harrogate took a chance on him as well, you know, to, to leave the comfort of Southampton and start playing in the lower leagues. He missed a lot of last season as well um, with that facial injury, but now he's back in the side and getting a run of games. Yeah, definitely. He definitely does fit the, the profile. I think he can. He definitely could play higher up as well. Yeah, I mean, he's. I'm saying I've kept an eye on him the last few weeks. He looks like an absolute talent, and I think Harrogate have got one hell of a player there. And again, hopefully, uh, no, no big fish come in in January and try and snatch him away. Although, again, if he they uh, if they do, it might make League Two that little bit easier. <laughs> so obviously, after that uh, that game, Walsall are currently sat in 17th. Harrogate are currently in 14th. Moving on swiftly to Swindon Town versus Stockport. Tom, I believe you got to watch this goal fest. I was yes, I was lucky to watch uh, to watch this one actually. Um, another goal fest involved involving Swindon. Obviously, I was keeping a particularly close eye on them after the embarrassment of the FA Cup against Aldershot. Um, but yeah, I really do feel uh, fear for Swindon at this moment in time. But yeah, they, they've lost the last five. They're in really bad form. Stockport have won the last thirteen games in all competitions. They're the league leaders. They're flying. They're probably the the team you want to, fe- to face least, actually, after having such an embarrassment FA Cup defeat there. So, yeah, I was watching this. Great, great game. Uh, fantastic comeback for Stockport. You know, four second half goals. They're going to take some stopping, aren't they? They look dangerous all over the pitch. But, you know, the focus for me should really be on Swindon at this moment in time. Um, they've got Jake Young and Dan Kemp in as well on loan. And I fear that when, you know, they go back, they're both obviously scoring goals. Um, there's been big talk from Bradford City that Jake Young is going to be recalled there. And again, with MK Dons having a new manager, then they might want to recall Kemp as well. So Swindon, I think, you know, I'm not too convinced on them. Um, I think they're a little bit soft-centred at the moment. And yeah, Stockport rightly deserves to win the game there. Charlie, do you, do you think potentially the lack of squad depth is what Michael Flynn's issues could actually be then at Swindon? Because again, great sort of starting eleven, but not really much on the bench or or in that squad. I understand the argument, but at the same time, I feel like Swindon are, are a side where there's there's a new problem that pops up every week, and sometimes you you just sit there and think, at what point do the excuses need to stop? and for, for for a change to be visible on the pitch. And I don't necessarily think it's always about the players that, that are playing. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I've praised Swindon at certain times this season, but I also, I think that they've been really poor at times as well. I, I remember um, one of the very first games that we covered on this podcast, they, I, I basically just rigged into them because they they just played like this really really high line at certain times and it it was far too easy to expose and yes we know that they've got quality on the ball but it just seems like off it they've been really really poor recently and it's it's definitely an issue you know they've conceded far too many goals recently you know four and then obviously four this weekend 
But then the last two league games, they conceded three apiece as well. Obviously, uh, scoring two in one of those against MK Dons and then only scoring one against Colchester. There's clearly an issue at Swindon. There's clearly something that we need to figure out pretty soon. Uh, otherwise, at what point is Michael Flynn questioned again? And, and this is a, this is an issue a little bit too common at the minute with Swindon. Yeah, I think I saw a, a stat somewhere. It was like they they had conceded like 17 goals in like six matches or, mm. or whatever it was, which is obviously quite a lot. And that's when, yeah, you've got to start asking, is it Michael Flynn that's the issue or, you know, is it the squad? Um, Tom, I'm going to throw this one over to you. And again, I'm going to get you to put your managerial hat on right now. So look, I mean, Stockport, look, they're, again, they're flying high. They're five points clear at the top. How can they be stopped or is this their league to win? Hmm. I mean, they're looking pre- pretty imperious, aren't they, at the moment? Um, I definitely don't think it's it's theirs to win. I think Wrexham are looking very strong as well. Um, but they're obviously scoring a lot of goals. And I think in some ways the playoff heartbreak of last year might actually be spurring them on as well um, to give them that, you know, that extra extra five ten percent that they need sometimes in games but yeah they're looking they're looking pretty good to be honest um yeah i think to beat them because they are very expansive you've got to stay solid um to and to take your chances as well very much what charlie spoke about it's similar to when you play mansfield you've got to be solid and you've got to be clinical and you know they went behind yes yesterday and you know, and then they came back and scored four. And the goal they, they went behind was quite fortunate as well. So, yeah, they're, they're looking pretty strong, to be honest. Um, last season, the league was pretty much tied up by Christmas by Blake Orient, and I'm hoping it's going to be a bit closer this year. But, yeah, they're, they're looking good. I'll be, I'll be honest, Matt, because you, you turned around and asked Tom earlier, what's going to stop Wrexham from being able to run away with this title? And for me, there's one answer at the minute, and that's Stockport. Uh, yeah, generally, I, I look at uh, the. I mean, the, the whole league this year it is a case of kind of anyone can beat anyone apart from Mansfield. No one's allowed to beat Mansfield. But um, for me, the the kind of if you look at the top of the league right now, that is almost how I see the the league finishing. The top those top three, I think it's it's those three that are going to be one of them is going to win the league. You know, one of them is going to come yeah. second. One, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be that order, but it's going to be. I feel at the moment, it's it's out of those three. For championships, uh, for the championship, sorry. Well, but obviously, after that game, that currently leaves Swindon in 12th and Stockport are flying high, top of the table in first. Guys, it's that time to go and grab yourself a cup of tea, mines with two sugars, please, and very milky. And we'll see you in a bit. Away days are great, especially when your striker bags a last minute winner, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's time to start planning your next holiday adventure. Whether you're travelling to Germany for the Euros or taking your partner or kids on a much-needed break to the Balearic Islands, downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films which are not available in your region by switching your location and just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and don't want to miss any of the action from your favourite EFL team, then NordVPN is the service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like 
card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands for just the price of one cup of coffee per month and can be used across six, yes, six different devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash reallyfl. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast, and you can too by going to nordvpn.com forward slash reallyfl to get a discount. The link is in the description. Welcome back, guys. Uh, So we're going to move swiftly on to our next game. This was Groomsby Town versus Morecambe. I had the pleasure of watching this one, and it was a five-goal thriller between the two teams. It finished Grimsby Town 3, Morecambe 2. Uh, so it was three goals in the space of a, a 11 second half minutes for Grimsby Town as they came from behind to defeat Morecambe. Uh, it was the first game since Paul Hurst had been sacked. Um, you know what? It was a brilliant game, guys. Again, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. Um, Danny Rhodes scored, Kieran Green and uh, is it Pike uh, as well scored uh, for the manager of Grimsby Town at Brundell Park. It was four straight league defeats before this. Uh, that ultimately cost Hurst his job, but it was a brilliant, brilliant performance, I thought, from Grimsby. Guys, did you see it? Did you actually manage to get a chance to see any of the goals? Because Morecambe were, uh, were one up within the first two minutes. And again, uh, mm-hmm. have you seen it at all? Because, I mean, if you're, uh, I think if you're a Grimsby fan, you'd be a bit, again, early on in the game, you'd be a bit uh, uh, questioning the defence there a little bit. Very easy for Morecambe to go through yeah. and score. Yeah, how often are we saying that at the minute? Um, not just about Grimsby, but just about any team. It seems to there seems to be a goal within the first sort of few minutes of every game today. Uh, yeah, look, those sorts of things are unfortunately inexcusable. Um, you can understand conceding a goal where there's a quality, where there's quality, or where there's uh, you know they've just managed to simply beat you, but. Grimsby fans will be really, really disappointed with that first Morecambe goal because, as you say, there was no need for for them to be given that much sort of room as well and to be able to to get that shot away. Um, And I think, do you know what? The Grimsby one's really interesting because, like you say, four four straight league defeats before this game where, let's say, Paul Hurst was sacked as a result. But the fact that they've managed to come behind and beat a team that, you know started the start of the day and ended the day in the playoffs. The fact they've been able to do that shows that they've actually got quality in the squad. Paul Hurst sacking, I said, I, I called it, right? And I'm taking credit for this again. I called it on the podcast. And uh, I, yeah, I said, look, it was a matter of time because they shouldn't, they, don't get me wrong, I think, think Grimsby are going to be a side that struggle this season. I think even mid-table is a stretch for them but I definitely don't think they should be a team that are in the relegation zone. And they were slipping a little bit too close towards it. So the win yesterday was really, really impressive for them to be able to show that without a manager, or at least with a new manager in terms of an interim, they do still have quality on the pitch. I'll I'll tell you what, Charlie, I'll tell you what they looked like to me. It looked like Grimsby Town were a team united. It really did. It looked like they were yeah. a team united. They were really playing for each other yesterday. And do you know what, Tom? I'm going to throw this question then over to you because seeing a team united like that, surely that's got to come from whoever's in charge. Yesterday, obviously, being in charge was Ben Davis. So is Ben Davis not the right man for the job? If not, who? 
You know, I think it's it's really tough to say. You do get the traditional new manager bounce. I mean, us at Bradford City, we've had four managers this season, so we've not had that much of a bounce, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, they hit, they hit there, didn't they, with the, the three quick-fire goals. They reacted well to going behind. So, there, there's a lot of good managers still out there. Um, you know, but do Grimsby have the funds to go get, you know, say someone at the top, uh, like... Pete Wilde, who say, or do they can they pluck someone from a Premier League academy like Stephen Clements? It really depends what kind of route they want to go down, and I think they need to decide that first before, you know, looking to see who's available. They need to really define what the, what they're looking for in the manager. But you know, I think if it goes well for Davis, then there's no reason why not. The players were obviously behind him with the way they reacted yesterday. So yeah, let, let let's see how it goes. Yeah, give him a bit of time, see if, uh, you know, give him a couple of games, see see how it works. I said, for me, it just looked like a completely different Grimsby team to the team we'd seen, you know, last week. Um, Charlie, Morecambe, look, I, I don't want to offend any Morecambe fans when I say this, but realistically, can they be considered playoff potential? Look, it, it, it's a difficult one. I mean, first of all, I don't really want to talk about Morecambe. They knocked us out of the FA Cup last week. <laughs> but I will answer the question. No, look. I think the thing is with Morecambe is they know what they are. They are able to go and set up sometimes to sh- shut up shop. Sometimes they're able to show some attacking intent. But the problem is, I just don't think they're consistent enough at the minute. They've got they've got a decent enough squad, but it's nowhere near as good as what it has been for them. We know there's been off the field issues. Derek Adams has alluded to that many a time uh, now. I just think that they're gonna be they're gonna have to switch it up soon enough to be able to try and get consistent with the draws. You know they've had decent runs this season, but they were unfortunately just losing against teams that they really shouldn't be losing to. I mean, when you look at their wins that they've had this season, Harrogate, Gillingham, Barrow. Grimsby. Now, yes, okay, we can praise some of those teams in certain times, but also they are all they are all teams that have been easily beaten by certain by, by better sides so far, and I think they're the sort of teams you can't be losing against if you're wanting to push up for the playoffs. Now, yes, Grimsby had a little bit of a new new I, I, I say new manager very very loosely, obviously interim, but a bit of a new manager bounce, like you said, they they were a team united, and that's great, but. Morecambe really didn't want to be on the receiving end of that. And they also should have been better. You can't have a lead like that and then go and concede three at the start of the second half in, like you say, 11 minutes of the game. It's just really, really disappointing for Morecambe. Um, and they've got a... At the end of the day, look, they've got a free week now because they do not have a match next week. So they're going to have to try and figure out what kind of identity they're wanting to take forward. Are they going to want to continue to be a side that maybe tries to be a little bit more defensive, for example, and, and try not to concede too much and only show their attacking intent in sort of certain phases of the game, maybe. But they've got to make that decision soon enough because I'm struggling to see a consistent identity from Morecambe. Well, after that uh, brilliant 3-2 win from Greensby Town yesterday, that leaves them in 21st position. Morecambe are currently up there in 7th. On to our next game. This is Newport County versus MK Dons. Charlie, I believe you had the pleasure of watching this really exciting 0-0 draw. 
was going to say, you say pleasure. I'm, I mean, there you go. You give Tom a 4-2 earlier and he's talking about how pleased he was and there's me getting the nil-nils. No, look. Um, I think ultimately there's going to be one side who are a heck of a lot more annoyed at this draw and that is MK Dons. I think they probably had the better chances. Uh, don't get me wrong. Newport had 16 shots, but they only had one on target and that was kind of their issue yesterday. They were able to... Sort of, like I said, create certain chances, but they were hitting the crossbar, the side netting. And to be honest, if any side were actually going to win it, it looked like it was going to be MK. They just had the better chances. Although, if we strip it back and just forget about that game in itself, a draw for both sides is actually probably not the end of the world. Now, what it does for MK Dons is it keeps their sort of league unbeaten run going in the sense that you know that they've been able under new under their new manager Mike Williams and they've been able to now go three games unbeaten in the league two wins and a draw now not exactly the most amazing of numbers but we know that there's a massive philosophy change that was happening now because of Graham Alexander sort of moving on and, and to be honest that I said at the start uh, one of the first podcasts we did, I think one of the worst things that MK Dons could have done is actually appoint Graham Alexander in the summer. No offence to, to Tom yeah, and no, Bradford. Please, please don't no, tell I just didn't feel like it suited MK Dons. Whereas I think that Williamson is a massive, massive upgrade for them and the players that they've got. Now, yes, like I say, it's going to take a bit of time to change their philosophy on the pitch because they already had to change it for Alexander. But what they've now got again is a free week next weekend because their game against fierce rivals AFC at Wimbledon has been postponed due to international calls. I believe on the Wimbledon side, not on the MK Don side from what I've heard. So they can be pleased that they can have a week on the training pitch. Mike Williamson is going to be able to get, uh, obviously hope to then put a run of performances together. And for Newport, look, it's a point when you're down in 20th place. A point is huge for you. And at the end of the day, it keeps them six points clear of the relegation zone. And I think they can just be quite pleased with that as well. Yeah, not only that, um, Charlie, I believe also Newport had quite a few of sort of their, uh, their sort of what you call their starters out injured. So, mm. yeah, I definitely believe they would have been more happy with the point over MK Dons. But, um, Tom, so with Newport County, obviously, I did mention they had quite a few players out injured. Their, whoever, you know, sort of their, their second, you know, not second string team as such, but, you know, that was sort of their, their, their other players came in and stepped up and did the job. But do you really think sort of January could be a big turning point in the Newport this season? Because obviously, as we said, they're down in 20th. But, you know, they, they've won a couple of big games, but, you know, they, they don't want to be that, though. They want to be pushing higher up into mid-table. So do you think January could be a big moment in their season? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's, as you say there, it's... Where do you realistically see Newport this season? I think that's that's the question. I think, can they do better than 20th? Yes, but can you see them pushing for the playoffs? No. Um, I mean, I think once they get the players back, they'll be, you know, they'll be, they'll be happy with that. But Newport are probably doing round about exactly where, where I'd say they would be, to be honest. So, yeah, we can see when the players come back. But they've, they've still got a lot of talent in that squad as well um, at the moment. And obviously, with the, the way they play... Um, you know, it's quite solid bank of three centre backs. So yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. Um, I think they're probably underachieving slightly. So so hopefully potentially come January get a get a couple of extra players in and hopefully slowly work their way back up the league. 
So, Charlie, I know you're obviously you're a big uh, Williams fan. Uh, what kind of identity do you think he could potentially bring to this MK Dons team? And do you think there is a chance that he could potentially get them up there into the playoffs come the end of the season? Now, look, I think in terms of philosophy and the, and the style of play that he wants to implement, I think we're, we're all very, very much aware of the style of play he wants to have. He wants to have possession-based football but not possession for possession's sake. He wants to be able to have possession, move the ball through the third, continue to create not just chances, but high quality chances. It's, it's something that's being spoken about a lot in terms of like the new sort of, sort of some of these stats that we're seeing more and more used more and more in the sort of modern day football. For example, XG. Now, what Mike Williamson wants to be able to do is not create loads of chances that are low XG, but he wants to create lots of chances that are high XG or even fewer chances that are high XG so that then they're more likely to score from every attack they have but like I say it's very much clear possession based football and passing style moving through the thirds is something that they want to accomplish now you know since he's come in so for example uh, in some of their games before he came in they kind of had uh, 39% possession, 30% possession, 46% possession, 38%. Since he's come in, they've had a 57, a 67, a 54, even away at Reading, a, a, a team in the league above. They they clearly want to have possession, but not just for possession's sake. They have that under Russell Martin. It's not enjoyable to watch. But what they want to be able to do is move the ball quick through the thirds and create high quality chances. That's the sort of philosophy he's going to have to drill into some of these players that realistically were maybe more Graham Alexander signings, but that's obviously what they want to try and move away from now. And they want to make sure that they've got this kind of quick on the ground football because Graham Alexander's side with MK Dons was unfortunately a little bit too aerial to the point where they were never really to get able to get a stranglehold in too many of the matches. So they want to make sure that they can keep the ball on the floor, playing it quick and precise football. Well, after that 0-0 draw, that leaves Newport currently in 20th and MK Dons are in 13th. Moving swiftly on to our next game, this was Crawley Town versus Accrington Stanley. Tom, you had the pleasure of watching this. Yes, I was happy again, actually. Um, quite, quite a high-scoring game. Uh, it finished 3-1 to Crawley. You know, it was it was quite interesting actually when I looked at this game beforehand. Um, two very different contrasting ownership models, but models that are very much up in the air at the moment. Um, with Wagme and Andy Holt at Accrington, who may or may not regret what what he said on social media a few weeks ago after the um, the FA Cup game. So yeah, that that was certainly interesting. But yeah, it was another early goal as well for me, which which I was really happy about. But before I get into the game, I just want to. You know, say Scott Lindsay's done a fantastic job at Crawley. Um, we played Crawley away on the first game of the season, and to be honest, they were looked like they were side in disarray um, before the game. I really, genuinely thought that they were going to go down this season. So Scott Scott Lindsay's done a fantastic job there, um, and they, they were, you know, a surprise. Uh, I'm going to say a surprise package this season because I generally didn't have very high hopes on at all. But yeah, it was a very entertaining game again yesterday. Um, early goals for both. And, you know, the red card for um, Accrington didn't help um, either. Which goes to Brad Hills was sent off. But yeah, Crawley, first winning six. So they'll be happy. They started the season well, had a little dip to be expected. But but yeah, um, 
that that was yesterday's game, so I was happy with that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I watched the game. Uh, Crawley Town signed a uh, a former Jules player, Will Wright, who I actually really rate. Uh, again, there was a lot of people saying, you know, like you said, Crawley are going to be right down there, and you know they're buying these players, but actually, you know, they've they've got some real real quality in that Crawley team. But I think a lot of it does have to go to Scott Lindsay. And Charlie, on that note, so look, I mean, obviously everyone did have Crawley to go down, uh, but now mm. we know Scott Lindsay is definitely <laughs> staying after the potential links with potentially him going to Gillingham. You know, can that almost guarantee that now they're going to definitely remain in that division? Now he, we know he's definitely staying. Yeah, to be honest, I, th- I think, like you say, a lot of people, myself included, did have Crawley going down, and to be honest, they had obviously a really good start to the season, um, but but then actually kind of started falling back down a little bit in recent weeks. This win was huge for them to kind of just be able to, to stop that kind of poor run of form against, uh, you know, at home to an Accrington side who, yes, okay, they lost their last time out, but were then on a good run before that. So this was really, really impressive by Crawley Town. I think, yeah, at the end of the day, they're already 11 points clear of Forest Green. I mean, Forest Green may not even pick up another 11 points this season. Uh, no, I'm sure they will. Um, so, yeah, Crawley, I think they can be perfectly safe in terms of not going down. I don't necessarily expect them to be able to push back up to the lofty heights of the playoffs that they found themselves in earlier in the season. But I definitely think they'll be able to cement themselves in mid-table and because they've clearly got quality and Scott Lindsay is able to get that team firing. Yeah, well, look, we've had this discussion many a time. Now, I, I really do like Scott Lindsay. I think he's a brilliant manager. I think Crawley have got a great guy there on his hands. And yeah, I think they're going to be absolutely safe uh, unless in January Wagby decides that he wants to play with no players on the pitch mm-hmm. uh, and sell everyone to Gilligan maybe again. Um, Tom, look, with all the stories surrounding Atkinson, uh, you know, Look, come January, if Andy Holt is, if he's still in charge, if he's still the chairman, if he still owns the club, is he actually likely to be able to put any money into the club and want to improve it? Well, it's it's an interesting question because, you know, um, I was listening to a podcast with Darren McAntony a few weeks ago and he was saying that now's the perfect time for anyone who's looking to sell a football club to sell a football club. So, yeah, does Andy Holt want to put money in I'm not sure because they they do they do spend a lot actually on players, but it's generally to be young players that you can look to sell, to resell. And you know, is there much value in the January market for that kind of transfers? I'm not sure. Um, but I think it's it's definitely open that the last few playoff places, as we said, we think the top three are looking quite solid. But you know, the the playoff places are available for you know someone who wants to go out in January and spend money and you know, put, put a squad together. So we'll see. Um, it's difficult with Andy Holt because he wears his, his heart on his sleeve. So what, what he probably says in the defeat isn't probably what, what he means when they win. So we'll see. But they definitely should. The, the room of a chance anyway of those, those last few playoff spots. Yeah, Andy Holt is definitely a character. It's definitely somebody I would love to have a chat because, you know, what? I'd, lo- I'd love to pick his brains uh, just about how he decides to run his football club and what, you know, how he is the way he is because he's definitely a character. But I, I do hope if he is still in charge in January, he's willing to put his hand in his pocket and help essentially John Coleman or whoever is in charge uh, push Alcanton further up the league. So obviously after that game, that leaves Crawley in 11th and Alcanton are currently... 
be in eighth place. Moving on to our next game. This was Tranmere Rovers versus Forest Green. I had the pleasure of watching this uh, and it finished Tranmere Rovers 3, Forest Green 0. Again, potentially this could have been a bit of a new manager bounce for Tranmere. Uh, they scored uh, three goals. Uh, they were 1-0 one up, up at half-time. Uh, and then two goals in the second half uh, to beat Forest Green Rovers, who I've got to say did look pretty poor on the day. Um, guys, have you managed to watch the game? Did you catch any of the goals? Because uh, uh, um, the first goal uh, was an own goal. Uh, did you see it at all, guys? Did you, did, you, did you see it? Did you see the incident? How it's gone in? Uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of confusion around it. Uh, I think it seemed like the Forest mm. Green Rovers uh, players believe there might have been a handball in there, but. I don't know. It didn't look a handball to me. It just looked like it actually, if anything, if there was a hand, it was off one of the Forest Green players. Yeah, I struggle to really see where the where the handball is there from the from the attacking side uh, in Tranmere. So, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I think it was just it, it was just a poor and unfortunate own goal. Uh, and look, when you're down there at the bottom end of the table or towards the bottom end of the table. You just can't buy luck, can you? Um, but and and that's unfortunately was the case for Forest Green yesterday. Yeah, I mean Tranmere, the the, the goalkeeper uh, pulled off a couple of really big saves uh, yesterday. Looking at the uh, obviously looking at the second goal uh, that came from a, a, a defensive clear out, which uh, Tranmere managed to block, uh, fell to Dennis, who uh, placed it past the goalkeeper to his left hand side, uh, and then uh, Bernard was sent off for a second bookable uh, offence. Uh, again, bit of a, a silly incident. Um, again, guys, have you actually seen the incident at all? It was a handball in about the half way line classes a deliberate handball for his second book of war offense i think i've got to say i think that's pretty harsh yeah i i would agree actually I, look it's really really difficult um i think we've we've kind of had the had these conversations before haven't we matt i think on the one hand yeah do you know what second yellow probably was a bit harsh on the other hand you can't give the referee a reason, especially when you're already on a yellow. You can't give them a reason to even think about going to their pocket. Unfortunately, it's what happened. It's it's really, really difficult, really unfortunate for, for Forest Green. But realistically, they were probably down and out by that point anyway. They were 2-0 down away from home at Tranmere. So in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it really changed the game. Uh, it's just very, very unfortunate for them. And it gives them... A reason to be angry, it gives the fans a reason to be angry at something that isn't to their own club. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's like when it doesn't rain, it, it pours almost, unfortunately, for a screen. And uh, Atta scored, obviously, in the 71st minute with a, actually a brilliant little run into the box and manages to uh, uh, slide the ball past the goalkeeper from sort of uh, about 18 yards out in the, in the corner of the box. Um, but, but, Tom, I'm going to throw this question over to you because after watching the game yesterday myself, I thought Tranmere were, were fabulous. Uh, I thought they, they really played, uh, played well yesterday. So... With Mickey Adams in charge, do you think Tranmere are going to be safe this season? Yeah, I, I think so. Mickey Adams is very, very experienced. Um, yeah, I've got no real concerns over Tranmere, to be honest. I think I think shortly you'll start to see um, a bit bit of a gap at the bottom. And then I don't really see the, the bottom two changing, but they've definitely got goals in the team. Um, Christine Dennis, proven goal scorer at this level. So, yeah, I've, I don't really have many concerns over Tranmere going forward. Um, I think that they'll be happy with a season similar to, to what I mentioned earlier about Bradford. You know, just build the foundations, hopefully, for a, a better season next season. 
Well, Charlie, then going on the opposite end, then I'm going to throw this one over to you about Forest Green. So, uh, that, I mean, are, are, are they in trouble? Are, are they staring at National League in the face? <sighs> Probably, if I'm honest. Look, I don't necessarily know if they're going to end up in the bottom two come the end of the season. But the fact that they're there now, okay, yes, they've got a game in hand, but a game in hand means absolutely nothing when you're down in 23rd in this league. Um, they, we, we know that they've got quality and are able to beat teams. They've beaten Colchester 5-0 and they've beaten Crawley 2-1 in their last five. But, you know, losses to Barrow, Accrington, now Tranmere. I mean, losing to Tranmere when Tranmere are the team just below you, it could potentially put Tranmere on a little bit of a run. Like you say, now that Nigel Adkins is fully uh, sort of, committed to the club and everybody knows that now could mean that they get a little bit of a run together Grimsby we already know are obviously managerial change they might be able to get a bit of a run together I'm just struggling to see Forest Green really being able to get a run together at the minute uh, and if they don't start soon they're going to find themselves a little bit of drift towards the bottom of the league well, uh, that's brilliant, but I've just realised I kept, uh, I've just referred to Nigel Atkins as Mickey Adams for some reason. That is a bit silly of me, so apologies there. But obviously, after that result, that leaves Tranmere in 22nd and Forest Green are in 23rd. Moving on to our next game. This was Colchester versus Sutton Charlie. I believe you watched this one for us. I certainly did. Now, look, there was both had chances in this game. One of the best actually being just before the 45th minute where Tavide unfortunately blasted up Tavide, Tavide. I'm going to call him Tavide. We're going to go exotic. I can't actually know his pronunciation for the last name. We're going to go Tavide. And unfortunately blasted an effort over the bar after being played through pretty perfectly by Joe Taylor. I was really, really impressed by that ball through. Like I said, it was actually then a pretty even affair. Both had chances. So when Colchester scored in the 80th minute through Reed, curling it beautifully, by the way, at the touch to be able to control that and curl that into the back of the net was absolutely sublime. I kind of just expected that was going to be it. It was just simply going to finish 1-0, uh, game over, done, dusted. Colchester just managed to get the better of Sutton. However, Sutton had other plans. And in the 95th minute, so wouldn't me fired into the net for the visitors against his former club to be able to salvage a point for Sutton United. A big point for the team currently sat at the bottom of the league. Probably a little bit disappointing for Colchester, but it keeps their unbeaten run in the league going, so they can't be too dismayed. Ultimately, it was actually quite a good game of football, uh, considering sort of the, the quality of the current two, of the two sides currently in the league. Um, but yeah, I think both teams probably can't be too dismayed with a draw. Probably the fair result. No, absolutely. I actually thought Sutton played really well yesterday. As there was a couple mm. of chances again, they don't they don't play like a team at the bottom of the league. You know, they're not just rolling over and saying, you know, come on, teams, beat us. They're actually putting up a really good fight. And again, this is what I think the quality of League Two this year is brilliant. And Sutton actually can probably feel a bit, you know, harsh that they are down there because they've had a couple of bad results that have, you know, that have left them down the foot of the table. But when they turn up, they really do turn up. And actually, look on on uh, that note. Actually, I'm going to uh, Tom. I'm just going to throw over to you um, about managers here. So. 
Obviously, Matthew Evanton is currently uh, in charge at Colchester on an interim basis. But should Colchester just, you know, should they just kind of bite the bullet and try and sort out some kind of compensation with Crawley so Matthew Evanton to take over full time? Because he's doing a really good job there. And, you know, there's obviously four unbeaten, I believe, for Colchester currently. Yeah, I mean, they definitely should. But I can imagine negotiation, negotiating with um, the team at Crawley is uh, probably frustrating. But yeah, he's 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 done really well. Um, Colchester, I think, another team that you should be expecting to, to be around mid-table. But yeah, they, they really need to, to sort that out so they can start looking and planning ahead. Uh, Charlie, just over to you then uh, on, on this side of things. And again, I'm, I'm just having a quick nose through actually the games they've got coming up. But where do you think Sutton could potentially pick up points this side of Christmas? And second part to this question... January is is January going to be a real defining moment for Sutton? Yeah, of course it's going to be defining. I think again, as I've just said before, screen. If they're not careful, they're going to find themselves find themselves a little bit of drift at the bottom of the league. We've already spoken about the the possibility of Tranmere now going on a bit of a run. The fact that Grimsby, we've already spoken about how United they seemed to be yesterday. So they could also get themselves on a bit of a run. Newport, you know, as well. Uh, Doncaster, I think we already ever discussed the fact that Doncaster quite clearly have quality. Uh, they've just struggled to really maintain a consistency so far this season. So I think Sutton are going to have to make some big changes in the January transfer window. They didn't necessarily recruit uh, too well in the summer after they lost some of their key players. Uh, you know, Alistair Smith, for example, being one, a fantastic midfielder who we, we managed to take off their hands here at Lincoln. Um, so, yeah, they, they're going to need to have to replace a little bit better than what they have done in the summer. Uh, and I think it's, it's huge for them. But they can't really wait as long as January. They're going to have to start picking up some results soon. Otherwise, they are going to find themselves six, seven, eight points adrift at the bottom of the league before we even get to January. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've got two. I mean, their, their next two games um, uh, coming up, their next two league games, I think, are, are two massive games. They've got their next up against Tranmere at home, and then they've got Grimsby away. Uh, and I, I really do think it's imperative that out of those two games, they at least get uh, three points in one of them, and at least try and can get a draw. And then if they mm -hmm. can, then they they'll still be in touching distance then, and hopefully a really good January uh, can actually hopefully see them through. But obviously, after that game has finished, that left Colchester United in 16th place and Sutton United propping up the EFL in 24th. On to our final game. And this was AFC Wimbledon versus Doncaster. Tom, take it away. Yeah, it was an interesting game, actually. Um, Doncaster, a team for me who very much underachieving and, you know, really showing a lack of ambition. But that said, let's not you know, take anything away from Wimbledon. Uh, two nil victory. Uh, quite interesting actually. They had they had nine men for the last. Well, they had ten men after seventy two, and then a second sending off as well in in injury time. But um, I think it was interesting. So Ali Al Hamadi's got his second. He got he scored two yesterday, so it's his seventh for the season. And um, first one, as we say, uh, I think we've picked up on a few of these goals over the course of the show. But you know, a, a close range finish as well there. Um, and the second one was a really nice finish as well in the top right corner. So yeah, it was it was good. It, a well needed win for Wimbledon, who are another team, you know, with Atkinson and Gillingham who are in touching distance of the playoffs. So 
yeah, positive day all round. Clean sheet, two goals, and two sending off. So another enjoyable game for me there. So it means that next week I'll definitely have a few nil nilers. Yeah, Tom, I've got to ask you, actually, I've got to ask you about the two sendings off. Uh, obviously, they were both for second bookable offences, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, again, the standard of of, ref- of League Two refereeing, I, I I think both of the bookings were pretty harsh, the, the second bookings. But do you think the standard of, of League Two refereeing is actually kind of making this league a little bit more exciting, for want of a better word? Uh, the fact it's, it is so can be consistent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, consistently inconsistent is probably probably the word. I think um, certainly from a um, a Bradford City perspective, we see an awful lot of time wasting, a lot of Valley Parade, and for the first sort of three home games, it was punished quite harshly. And now they've just seemed to have forgotten about it, and they are dishing out a lot of yellow cards quite easily. I think uh, in previous seasons, you know, that game probably finishes eleven against eleven. But yeah, it's. As you say it's. I wouldn't even say exciting. It just, it just adds another factor into the game. But you just, you know, as you say, you cannot give referees decisions to make. You've got to be a bit, be a bit smarter. But yeah, they've definitely been a lot more card happy this season. Charlie, on to a quick little question about Doncaster here. I mean, again, this is a a, a, a team like you, uh, Tom just said that's yeah, consistently inconsistent. Uh, they, they've had a couple of good wins uh, this season, a couple of, you know, sort of exciting games that they've done really well with. And then yesterday, they kind of just fell a bit flat. And even when AFC Wimbledon went down to, to nine men, they just never looked like scoring. So do you think Doncaster fans could be worried that they could start getting dragged potentially into uh, a sort of a near relegation battle this year? I'll be honest, no. Um, I, I know it's a, maybe a bit of a, an easy and simple, lazy answer even to say, but I just feel like they've got the quality there. Yes, okay, they have been inconsistent this season and it's happened consistently. I, I genuinely thought that, you know, a few months, well, about a month ago that they were going to be able to now put a bit of a run of form together, but it's something that they've really struggled to do. Um, so, look, I think they've got the quality. I think they're going to be able to beat plenty of teams in this league. I think, you know, ultimately, you would expect them to beat a lot of the teams that they're in and around at the minute. I think they'll climb themselves out of this kind of bottom five, bottom six, that they're currently kind of topping, if you like, in this kind of mini league at the bottom. But the fact that they're only three points off 12th, I don't see them anywhere near the bottom at the end of the uh, season. I also don't see them anywhere near the top in the playoffs. Um, I, I thought they'd be able to actually have a good run into the playoffs this season, but that's obviously not happened. I think just mid-table obscurity for, for Doncaster. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It will give them a bit of a base to then build on for the future. Hopefully give them a chance then to yeah, reset for the next mm. season and potentially take League Two by storm. But after that 2-0 win by AFC Wimbledon, that leaves them currently in ninth and Doncaster are currently in 19th. Guys, we have come to the end of this episode of the Real EFL's Lead to Look Back. Guys, it's been a pleasure. Charlie, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Luke. Tom, thank you very much. Yep. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. And we will speak to you guys next week. <laughs>
the ninetieth minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go, and do you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then late on you steal in, grab the last nugget, and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, eighteen plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.